Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the asset class of hotel investments. And to do that, we're kindly joined by the founder of Ago Hotels, Viv Watts. Viv, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. So we're going to be discussing the ins and outs of investing in hotels, how's it's done, what the market looks like. But before we do that, Viv, would you be able to give us a brief background to yourself as well as Ago Hotels, please? Sure. My background is in finance and later in real estate development and investment. And midway through 2020, I set up Ago Hotels as a leasing business to lease hotel assets and operate them under various brands. But long story behind that is that I've been involved in real estate investment for many years now and looking to create a new lease structure for the hotel space where we believe there's a huge opportunity. So, as you say, you launched back in 2020. I mean, what drew you? Obviously, you've got a background in in real estate, which is quite a broad area. What was it in particular about hotels that you saw as a good investment? So, as a real estate investor, we were looking, I've been looking traditionally at assets with long leases on because you want secured income. And ultimately, we don't want to be too involved in the day to day operations of a business we would like to sit back and collect our our rent every quarter or whatever the structure is um that became more and more rare harder to find not many tenants looking at granting long-term leases and the volatility of 2020 with when the covid pandemic started really highlighted which tenants had the ability to continue paying rent during a downturn and those that had either committed to too high rents or their businesses became overgeared and then could no longer service those rents. And so although I was historically looking at it from the uh, real estate investor's point of view, I started to look at it from the tenant's point of view and say, how would you structure a tenant so that you can withstand these downturns? And then what sector is appropriate for being able to offer a long-term lease that you know you can service through the good times and the bad times and give confidence to investors to take you on as a tenant of their property. Fantastic. Yeah. So, of course, you start in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, was that a particularly tough time to to, to start the business or, or was it actually started because you, you probably saw some opportunities within the sector during that period? Yeah, it's a combination. Um Obviously, we started setting up the business during 2020, kind of middle of 2020, when we never knew how long this thing would last. And as I looked forward, there was a maybe false expectation that the beginning of 2021 would see the start of recovery and the end of these restrictions that we saw to trading. But with the fundamental belief that the underlying business of of the hotel industry is here to stay. It's not like it's being replaced by online alternatives. You know, retail has been difficult from a tenant point of view, bricks and mortar retail, because there's the fundamental shift to e-commerce and that's here to stay. But hotels weren't affected like in the same way like other sectors were. And so the 
the impact on the hotel sector in 2020 could only be temporary because people would get back to traveling and there's no substitute or long-term shift that would cause hotels performance to decline long-term. We didn't realize at the time of setting up the business that 2021 would be um, a lot more restrictive than, than everyone expected. So we set up the business to launch in January 2021, at which point there was a further lockdown for several months and we, we weathered that storm. But still back to the principle that the underlying demand for the product, which is staying in hotels, is not going away. It's not like we were trying to uh, launch in a, in a sector where there had been structural shifts in the way people consume the product. Indeed, and there's, there's a few different points in there, and in particular, making comparisons against other types of commercial property is something that we'll, we'll pick up a little bit later on mm. in the podcast. But, I mean, to start with, I mean, for people that are listening, they'll be interested to know about the types of people that you're, that you're working with and dealing with and, and the, the people involved in the hotel investment space. And, and what are the main trends that you're starting to see at the moment? And how do you see the market going forward for the rest of this year? What's been interesting is that the investors we've dealt with coming into the space have not been typical hotel investors. They've been real estate investors who through our lease are still enjoying an element of the kind of traditional long-term lease, but taking also an operational exposure because through our lease, you get a guaranteed income and you have a profit share on everything that the hotel generates on top of that rent. And Historically, you would see traditional real estate investors saying, I don't want operational exposure, but the 2020 phase of the COVID pandemic forced landlords to take operational exposure because they had to sympathize with tenants and share the pain and lose out on rent and the the moratorium was put in place, which just forced landlords to be slightly more interactive with their tenants. And so we're seeing an influx of investors from a typical uh, traditional real estate background saying, well, invariably, we're going to end up being exposed to the underlying operational risk of the tenant because if something happens in the future in the market that affects the tenant, it's going to affect me as the landlord too. So let's bake it into the structure from now that when the market turns down, I'm affected, which I would have been anyway. And when the market is performing well, I get a piece of the upside, which I never had before. Fantastic. So... I mean, you alluded to it there in, in, to some extent, but I mean, this is something that people listening to this will be particularly keen to know a little bit more about. In, in terms of the comparisons, when you break down an investment in hotels to, say, an investment in office space or an investment in retail, for example, what, what are the key features that sets hotels apart from maybe more traditional forms of commercial property investment? The trends we're seeing is that the demand for hotels hasn't gone away, hasn't reduced. Whether it's slight changes in the way we travel, but we've enjoyed this very strong domestic demand or staycations uh, over 2021. And that's probably here to stay for, you know, at least the next couple of years as restrictions are still complicated around traveling abroad. Um, But it's just not a product you can substitute easily. So, again, offices are a good example. There's been a structural shift in the way people are going to use office space because working from home, whether we like it or not, 
is going to be now built into employment contracts and the way organizations are operating. But the, the desire to get away from home every now and again or to be needing to travel, uh, stay over if you're traveling, if you're on the road for work, is not going to go away. And so the types of industries, and if we say our revenue is kind of 50-50 split between uh, business users and leisure users, it's unlikely that that's going to shift and the demand for leisure is only going up and the requirement for business people to travel. I think the previous recessions have already forced companies to reduce traveling where it's not necessary. So people just travel where it's necessary for work and that's not gone away. Okay, so it's, it's very much looking that, of course, we're seeing massive behavioural shifts uh, since the pandemic and, and obviously I'm yeah. going past it. But, of course, as you highlighted there with hotels, uh, it's something that people need. If people are in a, in a city, they're travelling, and, of course, they don't have their own property there. The, the hotels are only option for them, whereas the lights of you know, retail and, and, and offices, to some extent, there's huge... Uh, and, and significant change in the way that people are engaging with those particular products, whether that's working, you can work from home. And of course, if you're looking at shopping, uh, we all know the size of Amazon now and obviously their competitors out there. So that's a, that's a very good point. So, I mean, I just want to now look a little bit more about the, you know, the actual market, uh, Viv, in terms of, you know, what is the liquidity like for, for the hotel market? Of course, an, an investor uh, gets in there as you said probably for for the long term but you know obviously people that you're working with what what's the sort of general nature of, of the market in terms of sort of resale of their investments um you know is it something that they're generally holding on for you know sort of 5 10 20 years i mean what, what does that look like and how easy is it to actually find uh, a buyer if an investor wanted to sell we have a broad range of owners of the assets that we lease and operate ranging from individuals who, for them, this is a significant uh, investment and to pension funds who will hold it long-term because of the predictability of the guaranteed income and it's linked to inflation so they can forecast it out very smoothly into the future. Uh, it satisfies, I would say, both sides and we haven't had any of our owners want to sell their assets yet, but we have had, you know, assets valued by banks with our lease on them and it's been very strong and positive view on valuation side because of the guaranteed element and because of our low operational gearing as a tenant we don't have um, external debt and we don't set rent levels at a, to up to a point where if there was a blip in the market we suddenly can't pay rent our rents are all you know very highly covered by earnings um but it's still it's satisfying a long-term requirement that even if you wanted to trade properties, you have to know there's a long-term demand. And the demand in the market right now for long-term leases is very strong from pension. Everyone wants it, pension funds, insurance companies, uh, mom and pop investors. It's people who want to invest for income. And so some of the transactions we're doing at the moment are in conjunction with investors who are buying assets, hotel assets now that don't have a lease on them. And we're leasing it on the back of their purchase. So they're taking it from being effectively an unleased or equivalent of a vacant possession property and getting a long lease on the back of that. And that's very positive for the value of that asset because it suddenly gets a 25-year income stream attached to it. 
So you, you obviously mentioned their pension funds being involved in it, but I mean, what what's the range of vehicles that are available to investors that want to be involved in the hotel investment market? Some of the, if we're talking about pension funds, some of them are funds that manage pension funds for other companies. Some of them are people's self-invested pension plans where a family might have their own pension money pooled and invested into one or two assets of which we, you know, lease one of the assets. So it can work. We don't deal with the structuring side of things. We just lease it and it's up to the pension fund to structure their stuff how they want to. But the point is that it's compliant with institutional pension fund regulations. And we thought at one point that it might be, pension funds tend to struggle sometimes with taking operational involvement or exposure. And they've been satisfied sufficiently that through our lease, although there's a profit share, they don't have operational involvement or obligation. They have guaranteed minimum rent. We don't call them up every day telling them uh, there's a problem at the hotel. We take full operational responsibility and the leases are fully repairing and insuring. So we deal with every operational matter. They just get their rent check as they would want it to be the case. And they're happy having you know an exposure to the upside of their hotel. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much, Philip. So just to finish off now, for people looking at the sector and thinking, right, I want to look at this in more detail, I could be considering myself a hotel investment. Which sort of areas, on a geographical basis, would you point to as as a good place for investment? And what sort of hotels, what are are the key things to look for when selecting a hotel investment? This is the $60,000 question, I suppose. But um, again, there's, I'm, a, I'm of the belief that in almost any way you look, you can find value if you're buying at the right price. And so we're less sensitive to particular location and more focused on the right value getting into an asset or into a lease for that matter for us. Um, we look at a broad range of hotel opportunities that we would lease, ranging from smaller 40 or 50 bedroom properties up to new build 130, 140 bedroom properties. As long as you're paying rent or agreeing to a rent that's at a sustainable level, which is in our interest and the landlord's interest, um, and they're being able to buy a property at the right price to earn the right return from their investment, then we can look almost anywhere. And if you see our coverage, we have hotels from northern part of Aberdeenshire all the way down to to South London. I would say that if and if, if someone was looking at buying a property now and there's there are good deals available on the market and some owners are distressed and needing to sell quickly, which gets you sometimes a better deal, to be a little bit wary of uh, capex requirements on buildings. So you might see a you know a nice looking or well presented property, but you need to be careful that there are no major issues with compliance to regulations because there's been a lot of change in regulations regarding fire safety and electrical compliance and all these things. And some of the older properties haven't complied for a long time. You think you're getting a deal and you buy a property and find that you've got, you know, a six or seven figure remediation bill. So that's something to always keep a close eye out for when you're looking, but location, as long as you're in a reasonable, um, reasonably good hub good uh, transport link we'll look anywhere up and down the country fantastic that's great 
So, Viv, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thanks, Jonathan. I hope it's been uh, interesting, and please feel free to follow up with us if there's any other interest or, or further questions we can you know, share ideas on. Fantastic. So, uh, just a note for listeners, what we'll do is we'll put a link through to the AGO Hotels website in the notes of this podcast, so you'll be able to check that out and have, uh, have a good look. So, thank you very much. Fantastic. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.